Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 is going to be part 3 of a series we began called Blessed Assurance. And it's going to be focused on the full assurance of hope tonight. The full assurance of hope. Last week, we we were discussing the full assurance of of understanding. And I told you there's three places in the Bible that use that phrase, the full assurance of something. And it's the full assurance of understanding, the full assurance of hope, and the full assurance of faith. And it's God's will that we have the full assurance of all three of those things. Because anything we're not sure of, we're not going to trust it. And the more we become more sure of something, the more we will trust in that. It, the greater effect it will have on our lives. And you can't tell me that we don't need more understanding and, and, and that, our under, that we be sure that what we're understanding is correct. And that we're sure about what faith is and how faith works. And we need to be sure about what hope is and, and, and what it is about hope that we can be sure of. And we'll discuss some of those things tonight. And we'll begin here in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. And the Bible here says, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. And the reason he starts in verse 9 saying, But... Beloved, we're persuaded better things of you. If you, I didn't have time to do that, but if you go back and read the first few verses, he's revealing those who've tasted of this and then decided they'd rather do something else. And, and it's a big but here. We're, we're, we're persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation instead of turning back like they have you, we need to go on and we're persuaded of better things of you and things that accompany salvation. This means the things that come with our salvation, we're, we're to be experiencing those. I mean, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have lies. That, yeah, I'm saved. I got saved. I'm on my way to heaven. And that's, and that's it. We should be living and experiencing the things. The Bible here tells us there's things that accompany this salvation. And that's a boatload of things. Yeah. Now, you, you could start a series on that and you, you'd be a long time. Because everything that, that we should be experiencing is really something that accompanies the salvation that we've been given in Christ Jesus. And he says at the end of that ninth verse, though we thus speak. And he goes on to say, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward his name. That's important when you're talking about love. Love that is shown toward his name. Amen. In, that's a whole other message. In that you have, watch this now, because this, the rest of this verse speaks of a continuance. In that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Christianity is about an ongoing 
relationship with Jesus, an ongoing experience of the things that accompany this salvation we have in Christ, an on, really, for every Christian, it's an ongoing ministry. That we minister to the saints. You, 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 you're probably never going to minister from a pulpit or be a pastor of a church. Who knows? You might. And when you do, I'm going to say, uh-huh. uh-huh. Now you see. Just like kids that grow up thinking they know everything. Until they have kids, they look back at mom and daddy and say, oh. Now you see. But... But you do have a ministry. No matter, really, we all have a ministry if you're a Christian. And that ministry really is not necessarily some specific thing. Even though I'm called a pastor and other things, it's not limited to that. This ministry we have is a way of life. Ministry means serving. And there's never a moment that we shouldn't be serving. Amen. it's, It's a constant thing. But he goes on here in verse 11 and says, And we desire that every one of you do show. Everybody say show. Christianity is not something that's hiding. Christianity is a show. I mean, we're not putting on a show of the selfish flesh, but the show is that of what the Lord is doing. We desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope Unto the end. The full assurance of hope unto the end. If you lose hope, you're toast. And if your hope is not increasingly becoming more lively, then we just fade off into one of those Christians that have the testimony of, well, I used to read the Bible. I I used to be in church. I, I used to sing in the choir. I used to... <clears throat> no, that's not God's will. God's will is that what we have and we still do. Amen. Minister to the saints. You minister to me when you come to church and hug my neck. That's good to see you. People don't understand how much that means. That's why we hug neck around here. Because we love each other and cause ain't no telling what will happen between now and next time I see you. Might be my last hug for you. Amen. If I walk up on your casket, I won't say I'm glad I hugged them last time I saw them. Yes. Well, it got quiet in here. Right. We ain't talking about dying, but we all going to, ain't we? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. 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 Coming to church without a hug is encouraging. Is ministry all by itself? Showing up at the church house. Amen. Because you're serving God and you're serving people. It's encouraging to look around and see people at church. And it's not encouraging to look around and not see the people at church. Amen. I can talk to a camera and I do it with ease. But I'd rather talk to folk. Brother Don said he ain't talking to a camera by itself. Amen. But look at this read verse 11 again. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Colon, that you be not slothful. Don't become lazy. But followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. The promises. 
Don't get slothful here at the end. You know, I was thinking about people that quit. They'll quit coming to church. You know, and I heard somebody say this years ago. If you if you, if you start missing, you know what an old car is eventually going to do when it starts missing. Yeah. That old car starts putting. You know what's going to happen? What's it going to do next? It's going to quit on you. We start missing. I ain't talking about being under law tonight. You know it ain't. It ain't. Yeah. You know you're not under law, but because you go to church. Some people, I ain't got to go to church. You trying to put me under law. No, I'm trying to get you in the congregation where you can get blessed. Well, I can be blessed at home. Well, you go on home then and see how blessed you are. Not near as blessed you're going to be in the congregation. If you could, then it wouldn't be a command for us to not stop gathering together. Hallelujah. Because there's a greater blessing there. You can be blessed at home. You can be blessed out in the cow barn, you and your Bible of the Lord. But the greater blessing is in the congregation. Don't get slothful, but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So let's talk about this full assurance of hope, and it says unto the end. Don't quit. Don't quit. Remember those we read in the, before the ninth verse, these are folks who they've decided something else tasted better, something else was better. They've decided... We, we we all right. We're just not going on with this. Right. Everybody thinks they all right, even if they stop moving on in the things of the Lord. But we're not. So let's talk about this this evening, the full assurance of hope to the end, by looking at a few verses about hope tonight. Psalms 31, verse 24, Brother Greg. Psalm chapter 31, verse 24. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. All you that hope in the Lord. Amen. Now see, there's there's something you gotta understand tonight. To have hope in the Lord is not to say my hope is in the Lord. That's, that's a lot of people. That that's that's it. They well, my hope is in the Lord. No, our hope is in the Lord if we're hoping in the Lord. Let's read the verse again and watch watch all the wording here. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your, your heart. Your heart, not your lips, your heart is, is where you hope in the Lord. Your heart is where you hope in the Lord. And the word in is very important too because if, if you don't understand what in there means, what in points to, then we'll just think that because I tell the Lord my hope is in him, that my hope is in him. But my hope is in him if my faith is in him. Because without faith, hope not going to be there. Hope is, a, is, is one of the benefits of having proper faith. And if we understand what faith is, whose it is, and the only place it works, then we're going to realize when we understand about true biblical faith, then we're going to find our hope coming alive. See, when you were born again, you were given a hope that was alive. A lively hope, the Bible calls it. And if our hope is not alive, that means, and it's in the book of Proverbs, I think something like this, that when hope is deferred, the heart is sick. 
But when the desire comes, it's like a tree of life. That's what that Bible verse says. Maybe we'll read it in a minute. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. All you that, what? Hope in the Lord. Your hope has to be in the Lord. Your hope. Hope means, really, your trust, your expectation, your dependence upon I'm relying on Him. I'm waiting on Him. I'm not getting ahead of Him because my hope is in Him. Amen. Psalms 33, verse 18, a couple verses over. Now, now, watch the beauty of this. Behold. That means, everybody knows what behold means? That means, behold the water bottle. You know what you did? You looked at it. That's what behold means. That's simple, but it goes like this sometimes. Behold, the eye, look, pay attention. The eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. So here we see where our hope has to be in his mercy. Mercy is all about what God did in Christ on Calvary's cross. Everybody understand that? Mercy, I'll never forget, about three or four years ago, maybe a little longer, I was out in my office, and I said, thank you, Lord, for your mercy, for just overlooking my sin. And I'm telling you, the way the Lord deals with me, right there standing, right there, standing there in my office, he just spoke to me right there and said, I didn't overlook your sin. Amen. My mercy is not me overlooking your sin. My mercy was me dealing with your sin at Calvary. Yes. That's where the mercy is. If you think back under the old covenant, they had the, the, the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat was on the top where the priest poured the blood and that was called the mercy seat. Now the one who came and shed his own blood on Calvary's cross is seated at the right hand of the Father. The old covenant mercy seat pointed all the way to Calvary. The blood that would be spilled on the cross. That's the only place mercy comes from. It's the, nobody experiences the mercy of God. We get mercy and long-suffering mixed up. God is long-suffering, and he's patient, man. He's long-suffering. He's so much long-suffering. The Bible says that his long-suffering is our salvation. But nobody gets mercy unless their hearts touch Calvary. Nobody. Nobody. He's long-suffering. He's waiting. Well, you know that, you know... All these things we might call mercy, God being merciful. No, that's God being long-suffering. And he can and he can take care, he takes care of even lost people. How many of you know that? The Bible says he's good to the kind and the unjust, the evil. The kind and the evil. He's kind even to evil people. You see that when you see the life of Jesus. But nobody gets mercy unless they come to the new covenant mercy seat, which is the cross of Christ where the blood was spilled. In Israel, there was only one place where the blood was spilled. No other nation had the mercy of God or the presence of God or the word of God. 
are the benefits of God. It was one nation in one tabernacle in one holy place that on one day of year, the man, the one man, went in and poured that blood. And because of what he did in that room that was only entered one day a year, the least used room in the whole tabernacle controlled everything else that happened in Israel all year. Think about that. The one day Jesus died on the cross... Think about that. The least used room in the tabernacle. One day it was used. But it was controlling everything else in the whole nation all year. So when we hear mercy and think about mercy, we have to run with our hearts to Calvary because when we're crying out, God, I need your mercies today. And we do it. I do it all the time. Lord, I'm getting ready to go somewhere. I need your traveling mercies today. I just praise you, Lord, for saving me by the blood. I need your traveling mercies. I, and, and he gives us mercies because of our faith and our hope is in him. Amen. Let's read it again. Behold. The eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. That's kind of a, a beautiful verse. It says, behold, like with your eyes, that the eyes of the Lord is on you. Because you fear him. You can know God's watching you. It says here, you can see God watching you. <coughs> upon them that hope in his mercy. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Let's look at a couple more tonight. Psalms 119, verse 114. Why are we talking about this tonight? Because our assurance of, of, of hope needs to be increasing. Everything that we have needs to be increasing. We have ministered and we still are ministering to the saints with increasing. God's grace doesn't stay the same. He multiplies it. Doesn't the Bible say that he multiplies grace? He, he gives more grace. So things are growing with intensity. And just like the world and God's plan over in the Middle East and all that that's going on, which could very well be the, the wrap-up now. But we, our lives as Christians, as children of God, should be intensifying in the things of God as well. Yes. We need to have more than a song, more of you and less of me. That needs to be going on in on the inside. More of you and less of me. Amen. Psalms 119, verse 114. You are my hiding place. Think about this now. You're looking for a hiding place, you better figure out real quick where it's at. You are my hiding place and my shield, colon, I hope in your word. Your Bible's your most precious thing you got. You don't know God without what God's told you about himself. You don't know you outside of what God's told you about you. God's had to tell us everything. And where did he tell us? Right here in this book. People still going out looking at the clouds. 
People still going out looking at the clouds, wanting to shake. Maybe God will speak to me looking at the clouds today. That's witchcraft, and God don't do that anymore. The Bible says. He don't speak to us in various ways and diverse manners anymore. That was the old covenant. Now he speaks to us in these last days by his son. Church needs to hear that, man. They're looking at tree bark and limbs on trees. I wonder what God's trying to tell me. He's trying to tell you nothing. He might be trying to tell you something. He ain't going to tell you nothing through a tree limb. Not unless he reminds you of a Bible verse. That tree limb, if he don't, if it don't end up right here somewhere, it ain't God. Watch this. Now you're my hiding place. Do you know God? The Lord is your hiding place. Do you know how He's your hiding place? It ain't because you read this and declare it fifty times. Colossians chapter three, verse three. It's not in my notes. Let's put it on the big TV if we could, brother Greg. Brother Greg, just doing a a, a dual dual mission back there tonight. Here, here's where you know, here's where here's your hiding place. If you don't know this, you'll just be saying, You're my hiding place, you're my shield, but you won't be knowing, you won't be knowing what you need to know to make your full assurance of hope more lively. Amen. See, I've got a hope. My hope's in Christ. My hope is Christ. You can't talk about hope without talking about Jesus. He is my hope. But here, it sounds like a negative thing, but it's got a great comfort and beauty to it when you know the truth of it. That when Jesus died, I died with him. And when the Holy Spirit immersed me into his death, I'm hidden. You're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Why? How? Because you're dead. If you try to live this life like you're alive instead of dead, you're going to find out it's going to get you in big trouble. We're here, and I know the church doesn't like this reality, except those who are sick and tired of old miserable self-life it just keeps getting them in trouble over and over and over. Lip can't shut up, saying stuff, foot in the mouth, whole life, can't get over it, can't get past it. Keep getting myself in trouble, trouble again. It's been going on 20 years and I've still got my foot hanging out of my mouth. And the devil comes along and whispers and says, well, nobody, uh-oh, well, nobody's perfect. You're not going to be like Jesus till you get to heaven. Those are factual statements, but we don't live by factual statements. We live by faith. Amen? So we got to learn where I'm hidden. If I'm going to declare, you're my hiding place, you're my shield, I got to know where I'm hid and how I'm shielded. It's not by my declaration. It's by my faith that I was given, exercised by touching and trusting and keeping my hope in, my dependence upon where I was placed when I was born again in the death of Jesus because you're dead and your life is hid. Your life is hid because you're dead. Amen. Amen. Present your bodies a living Sacrifice. sacrifice. 
See, that's more than just uh, to carry out the will of God, the things of God. That, that's so you can stay in the hiding place. Present your body a living, here comes the sacrifice, here comes the hiding place, sacrifice. See, we're hidden. That's why the Lord told Paul, I forbid, God forbids you boast in anything other than the cross through which you've been crucified to the world and the world unto you. That means hidden from the world and the world hidden from you. Separated. Our hiding place is the cross of Christ. That's where we entered into the one who's got us hidden and shielded. And yes, the world sees us. I look in the mirror, I see my ugly self. And we, we're here to be seen. But spiritually speaking, in the eyes of God, we've been immersed into his son. And here in this world, we're hidden, but he's being expressed if we learn what we need to be learning. We're hidden, but he's being expressed. I love what Pastor Scotty Williams said at the camp meeting, and I heard so much. I'm amazed I can even remember one thing. But Scotty Williams, the pastor of Cross Fellowships there in Dublin, Georgia, he said, this life for us is about us being rooted more and more and more in the death of Jesus. And what comes out of that is not you, but the expression of Christ. That's right. Yes. Yes. I am crucified with Christ, yet I live. But wait a minute, it ain't me anymore. Right. It's Christ now living in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So our, our experience in this life is one of being rooted. The Bible says in Colossians 2 and 7, being rooted and built up. We're rooted with him in death. And out of that, we're built up. But the built up part is him being expressed in our lives. And he can only be expressed to the degree that we're experiencing the root of death. Amen. You're my hiding place, Lord. You're my shield. I hope in your word. Why do I hope in your word? Because your word is where I see that I'm hidden with you in the death of your son. I hope in your word. It's not like, I hope your word's right, Lord. No, no, it's not that kind of This hope that we have is a full assurance of hope full assurance of hope that is increasing, I hope, in all of our lives. A full assurance of hope. See, the Muslims think they're right too and they're just as sincere and serious about what they believe as you are. Maybe even more. They believe what they're doing is right in the eyes of what they're calling their God. They just don't know their God is Satan. But they say the same thing about us. They call us the infidel. We're the, Satan. We're the ones worshiping Satan. So what's the difference between them and us? This book. This book right here. The Bible. You need to be very sure of this Bible. I've known, not personally, but I've heard stories about so-called Christians. I'm not judging whether they were or not, but they claim they were Christians. They moved off up to Utah where it's massive boatload of Mormons up there and they became Mormons. Because they were around them. How sure are we of who we are in Christ? How sure are we, really sure are we, that everything that's contrary to this book is a lie? 
How sure are we of that? Can we talked out of can we be talked out of believing what the Bible says? That's why we need to have a great, more full assurance of hope. Amen. We need to have more than when we're pushed in the corner, we admit we're a Christian. We need to be living Christians with confidence. Amen. Amen. You know, Christians, you push them up against the wall. Well, yeah, I'm a Christian. But what about the day when nobody's pushing them on the wall? Nobody's kicking them. We need to be, we need to be, we, listen, we need to, the Bible says that somebody ought to be asking us a reason we got this hope in us. What is it about you? You sure are weird, boy. Because that's what they think. Why are you so happy all the time? Because I'm on my way to heaven. Because I've been saved by the blood of Jesus. Well, how do you know you have? Because the Bible tells me. Well, how do you know the Bible's true? Because when I heard the word that come out of here, I believed it, and somebody moved on the inside of me that wasn't me. Somebody started leading me and telling me what to do. Somebody turned my whole life around. Somebody changed my whole language. Somebody started teaching me. And what was I learning? Who he is. That's the hope. The hope of glory is Christ in us, the Bible says. He is our hope. I could stay right here. This Psalms 119, 114, man, that preach. You're my hiding place and my shield. Colon. Remember what we talk about the colon. After the colon, the reason or the specific details or something real intense about what was just said is going to be revealed, and I believe it's, we see that here again. You're my hiding place and my shield, colon. I hope in your word. Yes. Yes. Yeah. My hope is in the word of God. No matter what the conversation is that comes up, we need to have a word. Right. We can be full of the word. I believe being full of the spirit means we're being full of the, 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 the spirit of truth. When I was out in the world, rock and roll was my life. Pitiful, but it was right. It was, it was real for me. And no matter what the conversation was, I could bring a line, a lyric right out of a song. It was my life. I still hear that old nasty, old crazy music. And if I ain't careful, my leg will get twisted. I'm telling you, I don't care. We, I don't care what we were talking about, and a line right out of a song would come right out of me in the conversation. Well, I can't do that no more. But now, what comes out is a line right out of this song. It's my new song. Mm. You're my hiding place, my shield, because I hope in your word. I learn of Christ as my hiding place and my shield. I find that knowledge and hope. I find the knowledge of that and the hope of that in the Bible. We have no other hiding place than being dead with Christ and hidden with Him in God. I'm not hidden in Christ because I run in the house. 
I'm not hidden in Christ because I run into church. Folk talk about I need to get back in church, get my life right. I said, we'd love to have you, but you can get your life right right here, right now. Amen. A lot of people think they got to go to a building to get their life right. They think they really, you know, and I'm not making fun of them. We've all probably been there. I've had tons of people through the years show up at church and say, well, I got a court date coming up. I thought I better get back in church. Well, that's law. God might help me if I'm going to church. Well, he loves you and he might help you whether you went to church or not. But you can be sure he's going to help you when you go back to Calvary. You ain't got to lay one. I wonder if God's going to help me. When the heart is touching the cross, the hope is alive. What do you think came alive when I was standing down there in that old warehouse and started hearing the message of the cross? What do you think it was that came alive in me that finally said, Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Okay, and that's what you do for a long time right there. Okay. You, you, you know, you're, stand, you're, at that, you're at that crossroads and, and you're like, you're, you're looking at the right path, but you ain't, you ain't going on it yet. You're hearing about the message of the cross. I, that, that, you know what? That sounds right. It kind of looks right. You look over at that other path and you're like, that ain't looking right as it used to. See, that's, that's what it is about the cross. You start looking to Calvary, all that it's going to start looking right because it is right. And you're going to look over at that other path and you're going to think, that don't look so right no more. We stand there for a little while. It's a different amount of time for all of us. We stand there a little bit of while. And we start edging toward that cross unless we just choose not to. You've heard my testimony. Closer I got to that radio, sweeping that floor. That floor got real clean right there by that radio. I, t- I, I, I hoped that thing would break, fall off the wall, bust a thousand pieces at first. And then I was hoping that thing would last another ten years. <laughs> You're dead and your life is hid. Isn't that beautiful? You're dead and your life is hid. Your life is hidden through the experience of your union with Christ in his death by faith. It's a positional thing that you have already in heaven. You're in him there. You're you're in heaven. You're you're seated in heavenly places with Christ. But you're also here. And you need to understand these truths so that your hope can be alive and you can realize that no matter what happens to you, you're covered. Not really just covered. You're completely hidden. In Christ, in his death. You're dead and your life is hid. You're dead and your life is hidden. See how beautiful that becomes? You're dead. You died with death with Jesus means that you're hidden in this world and the world, that's why the world don't don't really understand you because they they don't really see you as you really are now in Christ. You're hidden. Hmm. Pretty powerful, isn't it? Okay, a couple more verses. Here's one, Colossians 1 and 27. Everybody knows this Bible verse. 
We might not be able to quote it, but we've heard it, amen. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory. Everybody say, the riches of the glory. Wait a minute. We got to do that again. Everybody say, the riches of His glory. Watch this now. God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, here comes the riches of the glory, Christ in you. The hope of glory. That's the riches of the glory. That's the treasure chest of the glory. That's the treasure chest of the glory of God as if this one who gave his life now dwells in you. That is the riches of the glory of God that you already have dwelling in you now. Get a hold of it and your hope will be alive. (coughs) People crying out for the glory. Lord, just send the glory. The Bible here tells me that the riches of the glory is already here. It's Christ dwelling in me. Do you see that? I hope you go home and stay up half the night looking at this. Rubbing a raw spot on your new carpet floor. Hallelujah. The riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles is this. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It ain't something that's coming, my friend. It's something that is. It is. You've got the riches of God's glory that mystery that God sent His Son, died on the cross, shed His blood, rose on the third day. You were crucified with Him, buried, rose on the third day with Him. You've been made to sit in heavenly places with Him and even sitting here in this little podunk country town of Queen City, Texas tonight. The riches of God's glory is dwelling in you and His name is Jesus. Mm. Watch now. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. Not only is this hope of glory in us, but there's a hope of another glory coming. Because you ain't got a glorified body yet. But you hoping on that too, ain't you? Your hope is in that, that you ain't got to live throughout eternity in that old broke down junkard. Ain't that right, Gladys? Me and Gladys talking on the phone today. This old truck here broke down. (laughs) Amen. 20 more years and it's going to be on the shoulder of the road. Gladys done good all her life. She's still driving down the interstate with her her body. And I ain't talking about the interstate out there. I'm talking about living the way she done. I'm glad the Lord's coming tonight because I ain't going to make it 20 more years. Mm. Let's see if we can find something that's not in my notes. How about Galatians 5? Anybody know where it says that we're waiting? Here it is. Galatians 5 and 5. Thank you, Jesus. Here it is. Galatians chapter 5, verse 5. For we through the Spirit... Wait. Everybody say through the Spirit. You're not just waiting. And your waiting is not even legitimate unless it's through the Spirit. 
For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. We already been made righteous. But through the Spirit, by faith, both those phrases are used in that fifth verse. Through the Spirit, by faith, we're waiting for the hope of righteousness. That talks about this that righteous body, that glorified body, because you've already been made righteous in Christ. But I, I, I thought the Lord reminded me of this, so I wanted you to see it, maybe highlight it, because we're still waiting. I hope you're waiting. I hope you're waiting. I don't mean just waiting. I mean, I hope you're waiting like you're looking for the bus to show up any second. Me and Brother Dale, we we just some years ago, we just started doing that where he'd walk up to me and say, he's coming today. And I'll walk up to Brother Dale and say, he's coming today. Because we believe he is. You really believe he's, yeah, I believe he's coming today. I look for him every day. I look for him every day. I was walking from the shop here straight to the house, had my hands up in the sky. I said, I, I'm looking for you, Lord. I'm waiting for you right now. I had my hand up all the way from the shop to the house. I ain't got to be in here that raised my hand. Amen. I raised my hands anywhere. You know what I tell you years ago, we got out of the car, we walked to the house, and I said, what did I say? I need him. Robin said, shh, neighbors will hear you. I said, they need him. <laughs> one more tonight, but all we got time for. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, we're talking about our full assurance of hope. Full assurance. I want to go to bed every night, and I want to live all day long every day with a full Assurance. That means, you know what full assurance means? That means you're assured fully. You're assured fully of this hope that you have. Watch 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the Lord, or the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy, meaning what He did at Calvary, has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. <clears throat> According to His abundant mercy, that means what He did at Calvary, He's begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you remember reading in the Bible when Jesus died and they buried Him they lost all hope. The two guys on the road to Emmaus, they went from following Christ, being excited about the things of Christ, to, and then when he died and was buried and wasn't with them anymore, they started the Big Lit Club. Yep. Yep. Mm. They lost hope. But when he came out of that grave and began to appear to them, their hope came alive. The resurrection. See, if Jesus wouldn't have been resurrected from the dead, we couldn't believe anything he ever said. But because he was resurrected from the dead, that in of itself, all by the resurrection, all by itself, proved that he had overcome all sin, all principalities, all powers, that death couldn't even hold him. 
that he overcame and triumphed over death and took the power of it away from the devil. And the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ made the hope that they had had in him come back alive. See, I believe that's why it says he's begotten us again. They had hope. They watched him take a little boy's lunch in his hands, pray, give thanks, and feed thousands. They watched him speak to a tomb and a man came out. They watched him grow legs. They watched him do all the miracles that he did and then when he died, their hope was gone. But when he came out of that grave and they saw him, their hope was alive. Just like when I began to hear the message of the cross, I was already a Christian, but I was living defeated. I knew God loved me, and I knew I loved God, but I was still defeated. See, knowing God loves you and knowing you love Him don't mean you're not miserably in a mess. But when you begin to hear the truth about what God did to prove his love for you, to impart that love to you, when you begin to hear what happened to you at Calvary, that hope come alive. I knew I was saved. But when I begin to hear, if my listen, get this tonight, if my faith was literally being exercised in the death of Jesus, in the likeness of his death, then I could walk in resurrection life. Remember, here we see how the resurrection is tied to hope. That's why all these folks, when they hear the message of the cross, and they say they receive it and they come back to the cross. I'm talking about backslidden religious Christians. They come back to the cross. They say, wow, I feel like I'm born again all over again. Why? Because that hope has come alive again. Because hope, look, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hope is tied to the resurrection. I was standing there knowing that my Jesus died for me. I was forgiven of sin. I was standing there that day knowing that my Jesus came out of the grave on the third day. But my hope that I once had when being born again that was alive when I trusted in his sacrifice, I, it was, I, didn't have a, I had a lively hope, but it wasn't alive. But when I accepted the focus of the cross... My hope came alive because the focus of Calvary attaches you to the experience and the expression of resurrection life and power. And that's where the hope is. It's in a resurrected Christ. According to His mercies. According to what He did at Calvary. He could be resurrected from the dead. And because he was, those that thought he had been the Savior, but obviously he, he, we just thought that. He, he, 
It turned out he wasn't him, but on the third day when he was raised from the dead and began to reveal himself to them, their hope came alive. It'll do the same for a backslidden Christian today if they'll go back and touch Calvary with their heart because that's the only place resurrection, life, and power is going to be experienced. And with resurrection, life, and power comes a lively hope. And it's the only avenue, the only avenue of walking in a place where your hope is be- and your assurance of hope is be- beginning to be more and more full. More sure now than I've ever been. No doubts now. Past the point of no return. Becoming more sure than ever before. I'm not half-stepping. I, I hadn't reached a place where I said, well, I, I, don't, I don't really think it's all about Calvary. I've reached a place where I, more than ever, it's all about Calvary. Because Calvary provided the resurrection. The resurrection provided the lively hope. And I can have a full assurance of that hope. Hallelujah. In my life. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? I better quit. Hallelujah. That's why we say I feel like I've been born again all over again. Saints, don't lose that. Don't lose that. If you're experiencing the, 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 the truth of Calvary and the resurrection life of Christ, you're also going to be experiencing a lively hope. And when things come against you that try to tell you you need to quit or it's not going to work out or you're going to stay in bondage to this forever, no, you've got a hope that is alive and His name is Jesus. He is our hope of glory. He's our hope of glory. I'm not begging God for the glory. I see the brightness of God's glory in my Jesus. And that mystery has been revealed to us. The riches of glory is Christ Jesus in us. You got a treasure living in you. People talk about you're you're a champion. You got a champion living. Yeah, it's Jesus. It ain't nothing else. Jesus is my king. He is my king of all hope. I have no hope in nothing really but Jesus himself. Because in his word do I hope. All these things are because God has told us in his word. We can stand on his word because he's also told us it's forever settled in heaven. He won't change one jot, one tittle for any human being. But He'll give you the assurance you need if you'll just stand on it. Amen. Father, we thank You for Your words of life, light, and liberty tonight. We thank You for drawing us closer and closer. Same place You drew us the first time and made us near by that precious blood. We thank you for encouraging us tonight and reminding us that our hope can be alive and not only alive, but our assurance can become more and more full concerning this great hope that we have, that your Son lives in us, the one who is the brightness of your glory, the one who is the riches of your glory dwelling in our hearts tonight. I thank you, Lord. I pray that we will all have been encouraged. I pray that we will have all been edified through this word tonight. 
and that it will even drive us into the Word more more than ever before to see just how great our God is. Lord, show us the beauty of the truths written in Your Word. Guide us into all truth. I know you said you'd send the Holy Spirit. He'd do that. I know that already. But I'm asking you, Lord, we want that here. We want that here. We want to be led into all truth. We want to have the experience and the expression of the one who is the riches of your glory. And I thank you, Lord, tonight. I thank you for your presence and your power in this place tonight. If anybody's here and they need us to pray for them tonight, make your way down to the altar. We'll be glad to pray with you if you need prayer. We'll be glad to believe God with you. He's able to do anything. I hope you know that. Lord, we're just trusting you tonight. It's it's you're the one we're calling on. We know from where our help comes from. We know the avenue through which it comes. The very sacrifice of your Son. The one in whom all things have been offered to us through. You promised that if you spared not your only Son but delivered him up for us all, that you would freely, freely with him give us all things. And I thank you, Lord, that you paid the price simply with a broken heart and a willing mind. That's all we have to bring to the table. A broken heart that you might pour your oil into and a willing mind that you might even help us, Lord, with our mind that it may be more willing than ever before. And I just thank you for Brother Jimmy. I thank you for your touch on his body, soul, and spirit. I thank you for using him mightily in these last days. I thank you, Lord, for crossing his path with with many people, Lord, that will hear the gospel, who will believe the gospel. Even some of them who might not believe it when he shares it, but later they'll ponder it and you'll minister to them and they'll believe it even later. And I thank you for using him, Lord. I thank you for using him and giving him, Lord, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the words of knowledge and the words of wisdom, that prophetic utterance of I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that rests upon his heart, Lord God. And I give you all the praise for it tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you've got hands that heal. You've got hands that heal. Our hope is in your word tonight. Oh, that word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, that same one went to the cross and laid his life down, that we might be healed in his name, that we might be healed in his name. And Lord, I just speak that into my sister's life because of what the blood says to us. The blood is speaking to us tonight. The blood is speaking to us that we're healed by the stripes of our Savior. And I thank you for your touch upon my sister's body, her soul, and her spirit. I thank you for driving out that thing that
in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for your touch upon them, this very physical body that you've made your tabernacle in which you dwell. I thank you, Lord, for driving out that which comes to destroy. I thank you for driving it out in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you for healing, Lord God. I thank you for healing. Oh, healing. Oh, your word declares that there's healing in your wings. We know what that means. There's healings under where those wings made a shadow above that mercy seat that pointed all the way to Calvary's cross. I thank you, Lord, for your healing touch on my sister tonight in this room right here. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for healing my sister and driving out that which came to destroy in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, in the mighty name of Jesus, the one in which all things consist and all things submit to, all things bow the knee to, even principalities and powers and spirits of infirmity. I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus for your healing hands wrapped around this vessel. Oh, we give you all the praise for it tonight. Hallelujah. Anybody else? We don't need to fear anything. The past is the past. We've all got things in the past. They got strings on them. They got strings on them. The stuff in the past got strings on them. We got to understand the cross is the scissors. The cross is the scissors. It'll cut every string. It'll cut every string. The cross of Christ is the power of God. It's the scissors that cut away the things that have had a hold of us. It's what will cut in a perfect love, cast out fear. Fear of yesterday, fear of tomorrow, fear of this, fear of that. Fear paralyzes. Love delivers. Oh, the love of God. Message of the cross is God's scissors that cuts away. It's really that two-edged sword I ought to be calling it. I thank you, Lord, for tonight. I thank you for the miracle working power of Jesus Christ here and for those who are crying out online. I thank you for the miracle working power of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Oh, I thank you for your hands of healing. I thank you for touching the hearts and reminding us that the hope you gave us is a lively hope because you made us lively stones. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for sending us home different tonight, sending us back to our own tents different tonight with much more praise in our hearts than we had before. More assurance than we had before. More determination to never look away from Calvary than ever before. We give you all the praise tonight. Thank you, precious Jesus. Lord, as we leave this place tonight, we leave with our hearts full of assurance of this hope. Oh, that we're dead and hidden where the hope exists. Dead and hidden where the hope is in Christ Jesus. And we give you all the praise. All the glory and all the honor belong to you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen and amen. Praise the Lord.